0: Some of the greatest stories of faith come from God's chosen people in the Old Testament. What can we learn from these men and women who were earnestly seeking God? Walk with us as we capture snapshots of faith from the great cloud of witnesses and the lessons we can learn from them today. When Karen arrived at rehab, she was a 40-something mom of two who had a very successful career in Christian publishing. But what began as just one glass of wine at night became two glasses of wine, which became three glasses of wine, which became a bottle of wine, which became a pattern of hiding alcohol in the bathroom and then chugging it when nobody was there, nobody could see what she was doing. She tried to hide her addiction, but it wasn't long before family and those that loved her said, Karen, you've got a problem. And so she checked herself into rehab. And Karen, what I love about this story is Karen worked hard at changing this pattern of her life. And it came with understanding, it came with revelation, It came with a deepening walk with Jesus. I want you to hear what she says about about her experience. She said, I arrived at a universal truth. Now think about this, because this is true for all of us. Substance abuse is a physical manifestation of a spiritual addiction to sin. And everyone, it turns out, is addicted to sin. That's your story. That's my story. It may not be an addiction to alcohol. It may not be an addiction to drugs. But we are addicted to rebelling against God. This is the story of the Bible. This is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus suffered. This is why Jesus died on a cross. Then she reflects on her sobriety and if you're not familiar with that language it's just this time when she was able to withstand she didn't start drinking again she was able to stand firm and she says this people think I just resist temptation over and over because I'm a good person or because I have all this willpower can you imagine how do you explain to people that it's not that at all recovery now hear this Change, transformation, is a living example of the miracle of God's grace. When addiction removes the illusion that we are self-sufficient, the addict must, must reach a point of surrender from which to accept grace without conditions and have confidence that God is really in control no matter what. We're going to draw upon that as we walk through this snapshot of Gideon. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're in a series that we're calling Snapshots, where we're taking just a very small picture of the life of some of the different people in the Old Testament. Now, there's a lot written about Gideon. If you did the the readings this week, you read a lot about the life of Gideon. What we read this morning, interestingly, probably isn't the most popular to be preached or taught upon. But I think it's incredibly profound. And as I thought and reflected and prayed about this sermon this morning, it seemed to me that this passage is teaching us how it is that we stand against unhealthy patterns of life, and we all have them. Sinful patterns of life, we all have them. How do we do battle against these things in our life that are robbing us of the life that God wants for us? And so that's what we're gonna do this morning as we look at this chapter in the life of Gideon. Now, first thing I want you to see this morning Is this. That was me, not you. Lessons when dealing with unhealthy and sinful patterns. What do we learn from this story of Gideon about how to stand against these patterns of life that are really rebellion against God? These things that have become normative to our lifestyle, which is not what God wants for us. And Truth be told, we all have things we do that we don't even recognize are an enemy. As you heard that passage read so beautifully by Laura this morning, what you saw over and again was the people, the people embracing the sin. The people embracing the worship of Baal and rebelling against God. That had become their life pattern. That had become their spiritual pattern. And so they embrace the worship of their community, the worship of these false gods. And what did they do? When Gideon stands against them, they get angry because it's become so normative that they don't even recognize the enemy when the enemy is in their camp. And I would suggest to you that the same is true for us. We often don't recognize the enemy when the enemy is in our own camp. We justify it, we defend it, we explain it. And it's the very thing that is robbing us of life. And so I want you to hear this, this passage. I'm going to read verse one. I want to talk briefly about it, and then verses 28 to 30. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, now that's a long time. For seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Now, Pastor Lon did uh, just a, a wonderful job last week of explaining this ongoing pattern in the book of, of Judges. What we see is this pattern that happens over and over and over again. And the same thing is true for us. We have patterns that we allow to be part of our lives over and over and over again. They enslave us, they rob us of life, they rob us of joy, they hurt our relationships, and it's a challenge and it's hard. But we just accept them. We think that if we just keep doing the same thing, we expect we're gonna get different results. Well, that's not gonna happen. And that's not the lesson of Judges. Judges shows us that when we rebel against God, the people experienced brokenness. And yet they keep going back to it and back to it and back to it. So what is that pattern that Pastor Lon shared with us last week? Well, first, we see it right here. The people rebel against God. They have a period of peace, then they rebel against God. And when they rebel against God, he gets their attention by allowing an enemy to come and to creep into their life, and to wreak havoc on their lives. Now in this case, in the story of Gideon, that enemy are the Midianites. Now the Midianites had no interest in political power. They weren't interested in really conquering Israel. But what they did was they destroyed the crops, they stole the animals, and the people were literally starving to death. They were suffering. And so they cry out to God, And then what we see in this pattern that happens over and over again, God then raises up a judge who leads them to a time of peace when the whole pattern begins all over again. And we see it happening again in this passage. I see this happen a lot in our lives. In times of peace, we don't have this need for God. At least we don't think we do. We think that we are self-sufficient. We think we can deal with things on our own. We don't need God. Maybe we still go to church, but we know that we're, we're doing just fine. And so we accept things into our life during that period that begins to weigh us down. And then God gets our attention. How much better if we learn from the pattern and we say, I'm not going back to that pattern And I'm going to live in a new way. Doesn't that make a lot more sense? Why don't we do that? We're going to see a little bit of that this morning. But we see how deep and profound the sin of the people became. Now, in this story that you heard this morning, this is the only time in all of this ongoing pattern that God sends first a prophet He doesn't raise up a judge, but he sends a prophet to the people. And what the prophet does is he points to the sin of the people. Because God cares about our sin much more than we do. Because he sees the damage of these patterns in our lives much more than we do. And so he raises up a prophet, and then through that, Gideon... Is charged with destroying the worship of these false gods now listen to what we read beginning in verse 28 in the morning when the people of the town got up there was Baal's altar demolished now Baal is a god a false god of the Canaanites who were living among them and outside of the nation and Israelites often would go and start worshiping the false gods of these neighboring nations. They were worshiping Baal, the god of fertility, the god of, who, who had control over weather. And they would worship this false god. This is how far they had come, gone from their relationship with the true Lord. And so he demolishes it. And he also demolishes the Asherah pole beside it as he cuts it down. Now, the Asherah pole was the worship of the Canaanite goddess Asherah. And so sometimes it would, they would carve something in a tree to worship her. Sometimes they would use a pole, which was really just a tree trunk, and they would carve something on it. And the people would worship these things. Well, God called Gideon to come. And to destroy this because the pattern of the life of the nation had gone off the rails. God was calling them to a new way of living. And I want to suggest to you this morning, there isn't a person here whom God is not calling to a new pattern of living today. So I made a list of just some of the things that, that I see. For example, maybe it's an addiction an addiction to food, an addiction to alcohol, drugs, might be a sexual addiction, it might be pornography, it might be an addiction. Maybe for you, you're just too connected to social media. Oh, that's not me, right? And what's happened is social media has become such a big part of your life that relationships, the values of the kingdom are no longer a priority. You're way too distracted. Maybe it's how you respond to situations. Maybe you become impatient, impatient with your children, impatient with people. Maybe you become bitter and angry when people don't do what you think they should do or what you want them to do. Maybe it's laziness. You know, the Bible speaks about that. Proverbs talks a lot about being a slothful person, being a slug. Well, we're just lazy we don't want to do anything. Maybe it's a self-centered focus. Every decision I make is literally about me. I struggle with that. How can I get what I want? And so we manipulate people and we, and we make every decision in light of what's best for me. Maybe it's what you consume with your mind, what you watch, what you read, that it it has no spiritual value whatsoever. In fact, it draws you away from God. Maybe like the Israelites, you're worshiping other gods, well not Baal or Asherah, but maybe it's things like money, being liked, being popular, being happy, being secure. And because that is such a focus of your life, the Lord has been relegated to a second place or a third place or maybe even worse in your life. Maybe it's not seeking God with all of your heart and just going through the motions of faith, showing up in church on a Sunday, and I put in my time. But Sunday is just a day like every other day in which we are to be seeking the Lord with all of our hearts. We, maybe it's not taking seriously your call to disciple other people. Parents, you should be discipling your children. Grandparents, you should be discipling your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. All of us should be discipling the people in our church, not just the next generation, but one another. Maybe it's not taking seriously your call to use the spiritual gifts that God has given you for the sake of the kingdom of God. Maybe it's not taking seriously your call to love and to serve your spouse. Maybe it's not taking seriously to call to forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. Maybe it's having a critical spirit. You're critical of people. You're critical all the time. The Bible speaks against that. Maybe it's gossip. You're in a pattern where you just, you love to gossip. God wants to change that. Now, I don't know about you, but I can think of more than one category on this list that has my name on it. I would dare say there isn't a person here who doesn't have to experience transformation and change. There are patterns in our lives that are wreaking havoc For us and for the other people in our lives. And the question is, are we just going to ignore it? Are we just going to live with it? Or are we going to stand against it? Like Gideon did. Gideon went to war with the gods of Baal. Gideon went to war with the worship of false gods. He went to war not just for himself. He went to war for the nation, for the people. He went to war for his family, and he did battle because these are patterns that are destructive. Here's a second thing that I want you to see, and this has been really profound for me this week. Do not merely regret your sin, but repent of your sin. Don't merely regret, but repent in response to these patterns in your life. This is something that really explains why this pattern keeps happening. Because I think most of us, we regret our sin because we regret the consequences that we're going through. But we really don't want to repent. To repent means to change course. It means to change the way that you're living. We we feel bad about it, we regret it. But we don't do battle against it. Listen to what we read in Judges chapter 6, verses 7 to 10. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. Again, this is the first time God's done this. But there's a reason he did this. Because the people just wanted to get out of their circumstance. And because that's all that was motivating them, they regretted their sin because of the consequences that they were experiencing. God doesn't call us to just regret sin. He calls us to repent of sin, to change the direction and the course of our lives. He sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. So God is now speaking to the people. I brought you up out of Egypt... Out of the land of slavery, I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. You have not listened to me. As I read that, I was struck by that line, you have not listened to me. How many times has God reached out to me about areas of my life, but I do not listen to him because I really don't want to change? And then I experience consequences. Because when we don't live as God calls us to live, it creates brokenness in us, and it creates broken human relationships. And so I begin to experience that in my life, and I regret my sin because of the pain I'm experiencing. But when that storm abates, I go right back to that old pattern of living. I embrace it again because I never repented. All I did was regret. I want you to see this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, I want you to hear this. Godly sorrow brings repentance. Godly sorrow over what? Over my sin as rebellion against God. Godly sorrow over my sin brings the desire to say, I don't want to live that way anymore. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to live in a new way. I'm going to live in a way that I didn't live before. But listen to what he says. But worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. There's nothing to regret because you've changed. But worldly sorrow brings death. What is worldly sorrow? Man, I feel really bad about that. I hope, I, I hope that person won't be mad at me anymore. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, it's just what I do, I, it's just who I am, I say things I shouldn't say. But there's no desire to change. I shouldn't live this way because it's damaging to the people who are closest to me. And I feel really bad about it, but once the problem's over, once the person's forgiven me, I just go and live my way again. There are people over the years that I've seen and as a, my experience as a pastor, when I see them, I know something hard is going on in their life because when things are good, I don't see them. They don't come and worship with God's people. They don't grow, they don't learn when relatively, their life is relatively peaceful. They go back to their old patterns, and they just keep living the same way and then when they, when they get hurt, when they hit something hard, they come back and they say, okay, God, take it away, take it away. I feel bad about it. I feel bad about what I did. That's regret. That's worldly regret. That is not godly sorrow. Godly sorrow says, God, I'm sorry for what I did. I know that I sinned against you and against others. And God, I'm going to take responsibility and I'm going to change the pattern of my life. That brings us to the third point. The Lord's presence in your life and your desire to change the course of your life doesn't necessarily bring an easy life. Now, I'm going to talk about this next passage from two perspectives. One For those of you here today who have gone through a difficult circumstance of of life, and you're going to really understand why Gideon says what he does. I had a conversation from somebody from my old church just this morning about this very topic. And then, and then... I also want you to understand, for those of you who said, you know, I've tried to stand against this before, I've tried to battle this in my life before, but I wasn't successful. I'm tired of trying. Or I'm too afraid to stand up against whatever pattern of your life God wants to change. So listen to what happens here. This is an amazing conversation and there's a lot going on here. In fact, I believe that the angel, angel just means messenger, that the messenger of God here is Jesus himself. And the reason for that is the nature of the, you'll pick it up in the conversation. But also, he comes, Gideon comes back to worship, to worship this messenger. Not gonna worship an angel, you only worship the Lord your God. So listen to this conversation. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, here's Gideon's response. Pardon me, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Boy, have you ever asked that question? I have. It was the question this person was asking me this morning. Where is God? Why would he let this happen? And we've talked about that a little bit this summer. But why why has this happened to us? Then he says this, where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Now remember, what did the prophet say? The prophet said, you have forgotten this truth, that the Lord your God had saved you out of Egypt. So what Gideon's doing is, He's repeating right back and throwing back in God's face, why have we not seen this? Why are we for seven years struggling? He looks at his circumstances and he says, God can't be in this. God can't be here. He must not be here. He must have stopped loving us. He must not be present. God had not forgotten his people. God still loved his people, and God was still present with his people. Friends, if this is you this morning, God has not forgotten you, God is still present with you, and he still loves you. But in the midst of your struggle, he is going to do an amazing work. In the midst of your struggle, he is going to transform you if you let him. Now, for the rest of us, as we think about change in our lives from sinful or unhealthy patterns of our life what happens it's hard to change it is really hard to very few people really change in their life because it's so challenging it's it can be very difficult so listen to what happens he says "Where are all his wonders but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian It wasn't true. As you see, God is going to restore the nation. God is going to save the nation. Now, you might be saying this morning, I have tried to battle this this pattern in my life so many times. Or if I take responsibility and I change, I have to take responsibility for how this life pattern has hurt people in my past, and I have to take responsibility for that. And I don't want to do that. Or you say, I don't have the strength to stop this pattern. Sometimes it's a generational pattern. Sometimes you can look at your own parents, grandparents, great grandparents, and this pattern just follows every generation. Who's going to stop it? What generation says no more? This will not go to the next generation. Who will stand up with courage and faith in God, and say it stops now. Patterns just get repeated if we don't stop them. And so it brings us to the final point. How do we do it? Well, here's what God says. It says, now the Lord turned, now the next two verses, uh, three verses, the Lord turned to him and said, do you see that? It was the messenger that we call, that's the word angel, messenger. But now the Lord is responding. I believe it's Jesus. Jesus turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. God is saying that to you this morning. Go in the strength you have. Don't accept this pattern in your life Go in the strength that you have. Get up, stop wallowing, stop accepting, get up and choose to face it. Listen to what he says. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon says, but how can I save Israel? How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in my whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my own family. But here it is. Here it is. But the Lord answered, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. Go in the strength you have. I will be with you. Change is hard. It's hard to face these patterns of life. It's hard to take responsibility for them. It's hard to repent and really change. But we go in the strength that we have and God does the work. God transforms our hearts. God transforms our minds. But we don't just sit there and say, okay, God, it's all up to you. And if you don't take it away, well, I guess you don't want to take it away or I guess you're not there. That's not true. Go in the strength you have I will be with you so what does it mean to go in the strength that you have I just wrote a couple of things down maybe getting up and asking somebody a friend family member will you pray about this in my life will you hold me accountable I have people in my life who ask me hard questions Because there are areas that I want to experience change. And when I know somebody's going to ask me, I'm accountable. And when I know that they're praying for me, I'm not standing alone. Second, maybe that step is to meet with a Christian counselor. We as a church have Christian counselors that we have connected with over the years. And sometimes those things... Those things where we need change are so deep and they go back to our childhood and they're very hard to root out. And sometimes we need to do the hard work and honest work of meeting with a Christian counselor who can help us to unpack that in the light of God's grace and power. Maybe that step is to join a recovery group. Maybe that step is to seek the Lord with all your heart i would say that's definite and i would say another step that is definite is that you begin to memorize scripture that speak of who god is his power his goodness his grace his love his forgiveness and then open your heart to allow him through that word to transform you but the angel lord the messenger of the lord didn't stop there He said, I will be with you. Jesus said, I will be with you. I will be with you. You see, you're not alone. But I wonder if we live as if Jesus really isn't there. Do you live as if Jesus is really there in your life? That he is who he claims to be, the Alpha and the Omega, the all-powerful one, the one who heals, the one who restores, the one who forgives, the one who extends grace. He's the one who comes and says, I haven't given up on you. I still love you. You will always be my child, and I will never give up on you. You may give up on you. I will never give up on you. And when we're reminded of this, we know that just because we don't feel God, I don't know where that comes from, we think we should feel God Or if I don't see God, then he must not be there. Or knowing this means that just because I'm struggling with difficult consequences doesn't mean Jesus isn't right there in the midst of it with me. Or just because I've tried to change in the past and it didn't happen, it doesn't mean that Jesus isn't here to empower us and strengthen us as we seek him to be transformed. Friends, there isn't a person in this room this morning, including me, including any of us, who doesn't have patterns of life that are not the way God wants us to live. And the question we have to address this morning is are we going to go in the strength that we have knowing that the Lord is with us to seek him with all of our heart and to watch him do what only he can do with our willing heart and our willing mind To be transformed worldly sorrow worldly regret does not transform us godly sorrow over our sin leads to repentance let's pray father thank you for the power of this story there's just so much we didn't even have time to look at so much here lord we give you thanks we give you praise, we honor you, we celebrate you for the amazing things that you have done and amazing things that you will do. Lord, my prayer is for every person in this room today that we would not leave this truth here, but we would take it with us. That we would lay our lives before you and say, Lord, where do you want to bring change? Where do you want to bring lasting transformation? Where do you want to change our world? And God, may we have the strength to move forward, trusting in your, in your strength, in your presence, in your love, in your goodness, and your grace. In the name of Jesus.